Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now. Welcome to Napa Broadcasting. I'm Jeff Sheckman. The city of Napa just gave a million dollars to Clinic Olay. Yountville is awash in money, and Calistoga, when its two new hotels open, will find itself with millions of dollars in TOT. St. Helena, not so much. The city is, by any objective measure, in serious financial trouble. The city and its leaders recently looked at numerous ways to address this. The one it decided on in the short run is a half-cent sales tax. The measure, Measure D as it's known as it'll be on the ballot in November, has been the subject of much debate in the city. Today we're not going to talk about the pros and cons of Measure D, but we're going to simply take a realistic look at the state of finances and governance in the city of St. Helena. Joining me to talk about this is St. Helena's city manager, Jennifer Phillips. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, I'm delighted. Uh, thank you for the invitation to have this discussion with you. Well, it's it's great to have you here. I want to, first of all, uh, talk a little bit about a little bit of history. And I know we've talked about it here on the program before. And we'll just try and encapsulate it a little. How St. Helena got into the financial situation that it's in today. And then we'll talk more specifically about where it stands today. But talk a little bit of history in terms of some of the issues that got St. Helena to this point. Absolutely. And, you know, it's sort of a two-pronged situation. And so part of it is what all cities in California have been facing really since the late 1970s with the passage of Proposition 13 and other statewide decisions that have impacted the cities um, in California and, and their ability to raise revenue or their access to revenue. Things like the education revenue augmentation fund shift that happened um, after the state, uh, after Proposition was passed to make sure that 50% of all state revenue went to schools. And so those kinds of things, the states had to figure out how to fund those kinds of initiatives. Some of them passed by the legislature, some of them pa- have been passed by, um, voter, by voter initiatives. So you have that set of challenges, including, you know, the, the legislature constantly passes laws, certainly with the intent to, to benefit the residents of, of California, but many of those laws are passed as unfunded mandates. So they're requiring local governments to implement new things that, that require resources, that require expenses, things that we have to cover. And so that's, that's a similarity across all 461 cities in California. All of us are struggling with those things. Individually, each community then in the past 20 or 30 years has had to make decisions on how it's going to fund its services. And those decisions you've seen across the state – uh, there have been parcel taxes. There have been sales tax increases. You've had commercial development. So a lot of cities went after uh, malls and they went after auto malls and sales tax revenue. They've built development. And so each community's had the opportunity to make decisions about how they're going to fund their, their city organization and the services that that organization provides. Specifically within St. Helena, decisions have been made on how St. Helena is going to operate. And, and this is not a judgment decision or, or, or a judgment on those decisions. It's a fact of how decisions have a financial impact on a city's revenue. And so decisions like not increasing water and wastewater rates for 20 years, even though ultimately five or six years ago, five years ago, the rates were increased, the, the impact of not raising them and not pro- properly managing those systems has had a major financial impact. 
not allowing hotels to be built, not focusing on tourism. Um, however, we did things like pass a parcel tax to build a new fire station. So we have a, a, a beautifully functioning, fantastic fire station. And so all of those decisions along the way in the past 20 or 30 years have brought us to this point today at a tipping point to say, we are at the point where there's inadequate revenue to cover the level of services that are expected by the citizens of St. Helena. And so that's, that's the, the point that we're at to say, what level of service do you want and how are we going to pay for those? One of the points that's been made repeatedly by some of the opponents of this tax measure is talking about decisions that were made by government officials in the past, money that was misappropriated, arguably, Mm -hmm. money that went towards flood control that was not reported appropriately. Talk a little bit about the real impact of those decisions. Well, and it certainly has an impact. And, you know, Proper public administration is, is an important key to managing a local government. And so that's why it, it costs money to run a good business, right? You need a certain number of people to run a good business. You want to have a good accountant. You want to have a good HR director. You want to have a good attorney. Any business needs these kinds of resources. And cities are the same way. And so when decisions are made, again, to not have adequate revenue to be able to fund all the things that we needed to do, you have things like not really good records management, improper records management. You didn't have good financial management. You didn't have good internal control. Maybe there was a lack of staffing available or resources put towards the flood control project. That's a huge project for a small city to take on. And so absolutely decisions and um, level of staffing and management decisions um, have all had an impact on the current status of the city's financial capacity. What I keep saying and and what I hope the message is coming across is the past two years, this team is different. I'm very committed to the principles of of proper and and best practices of public administration. I'm a very ethical leader, um, and I believe that that the proper public administration or administration of a city government is my duty, and I take that very seriously. And every team member that I've hired – and my management and executive team agrees with that, and that's a philosophy that we share. And so what hopefully the citizenry has seen in the last two years is much more communication and much more openness about the situations that we found and mistakes that we found and how we do business and, and, our, and our reporting out to the community. So you see, hopefully, a much more open budget process. We've had many citizens say, I've never understood the budget to the, to the extent that I understand it now because of the way you've presented it. We do quarterly budget updates, and you can see all of our transactions. We show any checks that are above $100,000 on a quarterly basis so the community and the council can see where we're spending our money. And so those are the types of things we've tried to implement to show the community you're a part of this process, and we want you to know what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it. So those things weren't done in the past. And that's what we've implemented in our effort to to be in this together as a partnership between the city administration and the community and the council to move the organization forward. Absent the sales tactic that's being proposed, what is the current financial state of the city? Can it meet its obligations at its current level of service? It cannot. Um, And there's a couple of reasons. So we have the water and the wastewater funds, which are separate entities, and, and the revenue comes through through the fees, the the rates that we charge for the waste uh, water and for the water systems. 
because those rates weren't increased for 20 years, they were increased in 2011. However, those revenues are still inadequate to make up for the lack of repairs and the lack of improvements that happened during that 20-year period when no rate increases were were um, passed by the councils. And so now we have two systems that are absolutely critically important to the health and safety of this community. Number one, you have to have fresh water and you have to have a, a wastewater system. And, and the water system is um, overspending by $1.5 million a year. And so by next year, it will be out of money. And the wastewater system is already, um, it, it brings in uh, almost the right amount of money to be able to cover its expenses just to operate for this year, but has no reserves. So the wastewater fund has no cash. And so if something were to happen in the wastewater fund, it would have to rely on the general fund. The general fund then also is barely meeting expenses with its current revenues of operating expenses, not not um, expenses that relate to the infrastructure. So anybody who walks around or drives around or bikes around St. Helena knows that our infrastructure has been horribly neglected. I mean, we proudly hold, you know, the award for worst streets in, in the entire Bay Area because we haven't put money into our streets. Our sidewalks are dilapidated. Uh, our street trees are struggling. Our infrastructure, the parks, the equipment in the parks, our buildings, uh, the vehicles that the staff has to drive, uh, the police vehicles, all of those things are the responsibility of proper public administration. And we've allowed all of those to deteriorate to, to very um, frightening and concerning levels. And so we're not able to fund any of those improvements. We're just barely meeting our financial, um, our operating responsibilities with the revenue that we're generating today. And if Measure D, if this sales tax were to pass, what is the estimated revenue that it would bring in? And is that enough to address all of these issues you've just touched on? Well, it's a half-cent sales tax, and so we estimate that it would bring in $1.4 million. We currently get one percentage point of the 8% that you pay in a sales tax. So if anyone thinks that you're getting eight, you're paying an 8% sales tax and all that's going to St. Helena, that's not the case. It's going to the state, mostly. So we get 1% of that 8%. We're at measure D is a half-percent sales tax measure. So it's $1.4 million estimated, um, and it is, will not be adequate. Um, we, our general fund reserves are below the, the informal council policy of 25%. They're ranging about 22 23% is, is what we're able to meet right now. And again, um, we need to maintain, we, we need to do a better job in maintaining all of our infrastructure. And $1.4 million is inadequate to even start to um, properly maintain all the things that we need to do and support the level of services that are expected by this community that we desperately want to deliver. Um, we've had to cut the hours of the library. We're not able to live, deliver the full programming that people would like in recreation because we don't have the money to add additional positions to deliver more rec you know, very important recreation programs. And so that's, that's really the challenge is there, it, even Measure D will not be enough. So what happens after Measure D were to pass? What, what's the next step in getting the city in a financially sound situation? Well, I think it's one is to determine we would do a mid-year budget adjustment. So whether Measure D passes or not, I would come forward in January with the finance director and we would present an adjustment to the budget. 
If Measure D does not pass, we will. I would recommend that we start initiating cuts in this current fiscal year, 16-17, and those cuts would be would be services. There is no other place to cut. Or if Measure D passes, then we would look at how we're going to spend those funds. Um, certainly, in the Measure D. Um, uh, scope of, of, of description. It's very general. It's a general tax. So there's no specific users um, identified, but it would be the council policy on how those funds would then be used. What other revenue streams might be looked at going forward that, that are not there now, perhaps? Well, we did look at the real property transfer tax, and that required that the city would become a charter city. And then uh, along with the charter city, we could impose a, um, a before the voters um, the opportunity to have a, a real property transfer tax at the sale of any properties in St. Helena. That didn't pull well. Um, I think it was partially because we hadn't had the opportunity to really educate the community about what that meant. And so um, there is potentially some interest in revisiting that. Um, there's also economic development, which would include um, you know, um, business enhancement, retention, and, and recruitment of businesses to St. Helena, as well as hotel development. Um, we also have an RFP that we had out that we issued, and we've had proposals back for the potential sale or lease of the Adams Street property, the 5.6 acres, as well as the City Hall property. Um, both of those um, have potential for revenue-generating options, such as a hotel and retail. And the hotel, which I never remember the name of, that is about to open in the next couple of months, how much is that anticipated to bring in? That's the Los Alcobas Hotel. It's up on Main Street, just next to Behringer. So for the first year, we anticipated a, a sort of a ramp-up of sales tax because we anticipate it's going to open either at the latter part of this calendar year or early 2017. We put in about $300,000 in revenue um, at full capacity, meaning it's 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 at um, functioning very well. So it takes a, a hotel a year or two to sort of ramp up to where you know it's got regular clientele and and you have a high you know room occupancy. We anticipated about a million three. So I had figured um, in a long range financial forecast um, about uh, five hundred for the first year, five hundred thousand. I'd ramped that down because it's closed. It's opening later in the year. Five hundred thousand in the second year and three hundred thousand in the third year. Talk a little bit about what happens, and I want to revisit the issue of cuts and, and how you would look at those if Measure D does not pass. How deep, how drastic would the cuts have to be? Well, they would be fairly drastic. The challenge is, um, you know, we've cut the administration um, so deep that what the community saw was mistakes being made by prior administrations. And so my recommendation would not be to cut any kind of administration. We have an obligation to properly maintain our records, to do proper financial management, to do proper human resources management and, and purchasing management. And so those things uh, cannot be cut. Unfortunately, the places we would need to look at are the services that we deliver to the community, and and that's people, and and that's you know seventy five or eighty percent of most local governments' budgets are people because we're a service oriented business, and so we would look at the library, um, whether it's operating hours or, or programming, um, we would look at recreation and and see what um, what services you know. I mean, we'd have to prioritize which services are, are, are most important and, and try to preserve some. Um, and then obviously the parks as well. Those are discretionary, whether we where we'd stop maintaining a park, whether we stop, we can close restrooms. These are all very drastic measures. But the challenge is, is that from 
from a um, service standpoint, those discretionary services, this happened through the Great Recession, again, throughout California, and certainly I'm, I'm sure throughout the nation, that these discretionary services are the ones that suffer when there's inadequate revenue. What about the issue of outsourcing the police to the sheriff's department? That's certainly, that's a policy direction from the council. It's certainly something if the council would like us to take a look at that, we certainly can do that. Um, I haven't had that direction, but I think that conversation may come if Measure D doesn't pass. That's certainly another area to do an analysis. Um, that has to be, you know, a conversation with the sheriff to see if they're even interested in, in proposing on services for St. Helena and then what level of services the St. Helenans would like. The challenge is, you're still, you're, it's still service delivery. And so it's still people and it's still salaries and benefits. And so it's, that's not the silver bullet of, no pun intended, of, you know, a cost savings because you still have individuals. And if the community is still interested in a certain level of service, then, then that becomes challenging because you still need those individuals to deliver that service. And, and public safety is a more challenging because for safety of officers, you know, you can't not staff your police department, whether it's the sheriff's department or the police department. There needs to be a certain number of people. There has to be a commander. There has to be, you know, a lieutenant in charge or, or a sergeant in charge. And so those, those cost structures are very similar, whether it's the sheriff's department or the police department. But if that's a direction from the council, that's certainly an area to do an analysis on. You presented much of this to the council a week or two ago in in all of its drastic detail. Talk a little bit about the reaction that that you received, how the council took this information. You know, I've been working uh, really since I got here. I started in the city in in August of 2014, and it, it became quickly aware to me that we had financial challenges that really were unbeknownst to the council and the community because no one had really ever delved in and, and understood, nor had anyone ever done a long-range financial forecast, which is what I developed and presented to the council in February 2015. And so if you read my council packet from that night, you'll see that there is, there is tremendous history over the last almost two years laying out this continuous dialogue about this is very serious. And so when I did my first council goal setting with the city council in January 2015, that this is what we talked about. And the council made their goal, their sole goal that year, to secure the city's financial future. And when I have a council goal, that's my direction as city manager. And so what I've been doing then is through following that goal and the strategic objectives that we developed at that goal setting, that's what I've been trying to do. We reaffirmed that goal again in, in February 2016 when we did the second goal setting, and that's what I've been working for. So, you know, the, the city council has been very attentive and, and taken this matter very seriously in the last two years. And so the delivery of the report was basically a culmination. It's very depressing. Um, it was, as I mentioned when I um, started my presentation, it was probably one of the most difficult staff reports emotionally that I've ever had to write and had to deliver because it's it's depressing. I mean, it's it's sad to, to think about the, the changes and the cuts we would have to make, um, and the current status is, is quite frightening of, of the city's finances and, and the city's sustainability and future. And so it, it was a very culminating night for, for me to present that staff report, and, and council knows, the city council understands, and we've been on this journey together, and we've, we've really tried to bring the community along with us. 
And what I found um, very pleasing was when we did the polling for the sales tax measure and the real property transfer tax is the number one goal um, or number one priority of the community that was polled was securing the city's financial future. And so to me, that tells me that, that all of this work that we've been doing and all this communication is working because I believe the community does understand and believe that we're in a serious financial situation. Now, the resolution to that may, may be um, very varied and people have different opinions of what they think the right answers are. But I believe that we're on this journey together and that, and that the community understands that this is a very serious tipping point for St. Helena. And together we have to make some, diff- some changes and make some very difficult decisions. And if, in fact, it doesn't pass, and it's certainly uh, always difficult with a tax measure and highly unpredictable, is there the danger that, that you and or members of, of city staff, city administration would just throw up their hands and, and move on to other places? You know, I mean, I, I think that's, um, I, I, my guess is it sits back and, and to be very honest, in the back of all of our minds. I mean, we want to, to be professionals and we want to make sure that our, that our employees are safe, that our citizens are safe. Um, that we're delivering um, quality, and I'm not I'm not talking about platinum services, but I'm talking about you know legally required protecting the city, protecting um, the citizens, the visitors of the city, making sure that the that the legally required services and and programming and and the obligations that we have can be met. And as professionals, I think that becomes concerning for us that that when our hands are tied behind our back and we have handcuffs on and and then someone adds an anchor to it and we feel like we're drowning, uh, I think it would be unrealistic for me to say that that's that's not something that we've all talked about and and sits in our minds to say, you know, if, if we don't have the adequate revenue to properly manage the city, um, how do, how do we do that? What's the answer for us professionally and personally? I think, I think, Jeff, that's a very fair question. What happens, in fact, if the city is just out of money at a certain point? If this doesn't pass, services are cut, and the finances are still tight? What options does the city have? Well, I mean, I, you know, certainly you've seen in California, three cities have gone bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's disincorporation, so a city can basically unincorporate. There's a process for that and a voting process. It's it's not just a simple bureaucratic decision. Um, but there's still, unfortunately, when you look at things like bankruptcy, um, there is still revenue that's available that's being that's being provided to discretionary services. And until you get to that point, literally, that you have no money uh, um, going to discretionary services, and 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 that's basically that's a bare bones city. You're you're basically providing police, fire. Um, water and wastewater and, and taking care of the infrastructure. You, you have no enjoyable community-based services at that point. Um, once you're there and, and, and then you really truly don't have any revenue available and you're still not making it, then, then you have to start looking at other options, something like bankruptcy, which, which is terrifying. Does St. Helena, I want to let you go, but does St. Helena have any unfunded liabilities in terms of pensions and other obligations down the road? Yes, we do. Um, all cities um, that have any kind of, of retirement fund 
Um, many are in the CalPERS system. That's a, that's been a big issue across the state. Um, several years ago, the state legislature passed PEPRA, which basically was intended to revamp um, and 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 um, make improvements to the to the retirement systems. And so we've all made adjustments. All cities have made adjustments to um, the pen- to the pension benefits, reduced those, and and so the costs now we're starting to see the cost. Um, benefits of, of having some, some lower benefit packages for our employees. St. Helena has actually seen quite a bit of benefit from that because there was such a large turnover when I joined the organization two years ago. You know, one of the big issues was so many people had left. I had many vacancies and I've hired in many new people, um, some of whom were not in the system. And, and so they have a lower benefit package. And so it, it's actually saved money for the city of St. Helena. But we do with, with um, uh, police and, and miscellaneous employees. Uh, there is an unfunded uh, pension liability. Uh, currently, I believe uh, the, pep, the PERS system is at about a 63% funded um, uh, statewide for all of its programs. And it's, it constantly expects a 2% return. And the last two years, it's received a 2% return. And so every time it doesn't meet its, its, um, its returns, it then has to look at distributing those costs back to its member agencies. And so then our costs go up to be able to help cover that unfunded liability. Um, so absolutely, that's one of our challenges is, is the cost of the pension systems. Um, and and it's, it needs to be part of the planning process as we move forward. St. Helena City Manager Jennifer Phillips. Jennifer, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it and hope we can have a brighter conversation after Election Day. I sure hope so. I appreciate, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, Jeff, and, and to provide information to our community. And, you know, we're working very hard as a team, and we certainly hope our community stands with us in, in the years ahead as, as we, you know, uh, lay out a path for St. Helena, one that's bright and happy and, and provides great services and, and protects St. Helena and protects our community. It's such a great community, and it has so many great aspects, and we want to keep building that sense of community and having you know, good, balanced decision-making as, as we move forward together. Jennifer Phillips, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now.